Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're excited to present a Q&A from Other People's Children, a 2023 Rendezvous with French Cinema selection. Acclaimed writer-director Rebecca Zoltowski draws from her own life in Other People's Children to depict the emotional trajectory of Rachel, played by Virginia Fira, a schoolteacher whose desire for a biological child seems increasingly unlikely to be fulfilled, as she's informed by her gynecologist in a delightful cameo from Frederick Wiseman. When Rachel enters into a relationship with a car designer, Ah Lee, he's slow to let her know that he's a single father, but once she finds out, she quickly grows to love his precocious daughter, Layla. The stresses and strains of close relationships between adults and children are thoughtfully examined in this drama that's as romantic in its evocation of new love blossoming in Paris as it is clear-headed about the myriad pressures that societal expectations impose on the lives of middle-aged women. Don't miss Other People's Children, opening in our theaters on April 21st. You can get tickets now at filmlink.org slash children. Now please enjoy the conversation with writer-director Rebecca Zoltowski and lead actress Virginie Afira. Moderated by NYFF Artistic Director Dennis Lim. So I want to thank you both again for, for being with us, Rebecca, for returning uh, with another beautiful film, and Virginie for coming after we've shown so many of your films. It's really great to have you here in person. So thank you. Uh, I'm going to start by asking Rebecca to maybe just talk us through how this film came about. Initially, you were working on an adaptation of a book. It was a novel by Romain Gary um, about a different subject. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a novel about, it's called Your Ticket is No Longer Valid, I think is the English. Absolutely. And it's about male impotence. So yeah. I'm wondering so how... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. So tell it's us a good subject, though, but... It was not this one, this day. But what, were, what drew you to that, and how did a, a, a project about male impotence mm. be, become one about female fertility? <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious, yeah, actually. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> um, you know, I'm a... Yes, this is funny. You know, you have secret past, so thank you very much for staying till the end. And I'm still, like, a, a little bit shaking, and also I saw the last sequence of the film with you and I, I was moved because I think it's the last time I will see this film because after it's the last screening uh, the last trip we you, have with you put it in, in storage and after I I, <laughs> I try to forget them in order to make others and so I'm not like a so it, I, I'm, I'm feeling like I will never forget tonight and I want to thank her deeply for being in my film publicly And yes, this is, this is uh, uh, you know, you have secret paths that lead you to films. Mm -hmm. And some of them are full of uh, shame and uh, modesty and, uh, and hiding <laughs> mm -hmm. to the real subject. And it happened that with Roche Dizem, the actor, the lead actor in the film who plays Ali, we wanted to rework together after a TV series we had done in France that was called The Savages, where he was playing like a president of the Republic. And we wanted to work together, and it happened that we, we, we noticed that we were reading the same book from Romain Gary, who's such like an amazing writer to me, and it, it makes, I mean, 
uh, it took me like ages to read Romain Gary, and I didn't know why because he's such like a strong advocate of the feminization of world in a way. <clears throat> the book was about uh, male impotency. I know it may ring a bell for some of you. <laughs> I know maybe it doesn't ex exist. There's a pill for that, but there's something that doesn't exist and that would be like the, the representation of impotency for women. And the pandemic happened, so I came like in my place with the novel to adapt it for him. And uh, while being stuck in my domestic place like everyone, I, I had to notice that if the, if the novel touched me, it was because not of the subject for a male impotency, it was because it touched me like deeply uh, to the core. I was living a very, very banal situation. I was nearly 40 years old at this time. I was, <laughs> I was um, a child-free woman and I was raising uh, the children of uh, like one week on the other of my partner. And I felt that it was a very strong and powerful situation and very Romanesque situation. But when I, I noticed that no films was dealing with this and I wanted to see like how filmmakers were dealing with the character and was dealing with this situation and I could not find one. And I thought to myself, maybe this is like the reason I need to address this lack and to make the film that I was needed, needing at this moment and could not find. So it became not a film on male impotency, but a film on female impotency. The impotency you experience when you're like in the last year of your fertility. And it's so unfair. It's so fucking unfair. And I felt this was like a story worth telling. And it became this film. At what point in the writing, or was it only after the writing that you thought of Virginie for the role? And this is your first collaboration. Um, and, you know, some of you might have attended the talk that she did um, just before the screening. And she's become, I think, one of the most in-demand um, actresses in France. She's been in a lot of films. Um, and I'm wondering at what point this clicked for you that she would be the character. And then, like, the question is, why did I wait like, so long? <laughs> it's like... And I think, and I have answers. <laughs> and I think that, um, you know, first of all, I don't write any more scripts for actors and actresses because it's my fifth feature. And you know that if they do not want to do it at the end, you're screwed. So I just write the character and then I offer it. <laughs> and uh, so it's, you know, uh, it's safer. But with this film, I must admit that I had, like, it's been a long time that I had, like, the prosody, the way she speaks, and you're going to, like, listen to her, hopefully, uh, when I stop talking, which is, like, in a long time. But <laughs> the way she speaks, the way she behaves, the way she emerged to the Hard House films in France was totally, like, connected to this character. And I would lie if I would not have said that I had, like, her way of thinking and talking and behaving while writing the script. So it became, like, a... We just like re revenged the missed rendezvous we had like those past 10 years. And I offered her the script and it became like super simple in a way. Isn't it? Of course, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Virginie, tell us like, I'm curious your response to the script when you read it. Um, first of all, the way she speaks, but not in English. Okay, no, no, uh, absolutely not. You will n understand nothing at all. Uh, and you are here. Uh, 
There was no me Attends, du coup, j'y vais en français. Il n'y avait pas de rendez-vous manqué pour moi. As far as I was concerned, I didn't feel like we missed each other at all. I knew that we were fated to collaborate. Um, after seeing uh, her first film with Léa Seydoux, I was really struck by her ability to, to develop subterranean language, to film that which isn't said. And so a few filmmakers, and I think Rebecca is one of them, will make films that you feel speak to you directly and very personally. And this was the case for me in this film, um, which gave me an intimate knowledge of, uh, uh, of her and which also shows in her an intimate understanding of the other. And this relationship helps me act more or less well. A few years ago, uh, uh, Rebecca got in touch with me um, and I was extremely excited. I put myself in a quiet place. I breathed a little before calling her back. We were finally going to work together. And she tells me, you know, in America, actors are very politically active and they really do the work around election time and things like this. And I think we should do the same. And I feel like you should speak publicly about the European election and uh, the European Union um, I And uh, I didn't have that kind of project in mind. And I said, yes, yes, we should mobilize. A few years later, when the call came to work on a movie together, the yes kind of preceded the ask or the reading of the script because it was her, because it was me. And so when I eventually did read and was very much moved, it was being moved with an emotion that I couldn't quite track which path it had taken inside of me. I would say that upon reading it, I was moved mostly by things hidden in the grooves or in the negative of what was said um, uh, that got to a place that was almost a secret place of, of solitude and of doubt, um, of, of a desire to create bond, whether with a child or with a man. Et ben, il n'y avait plus qu'à qu le tourner, quoi. Et voilà. Et tout ce qui était resté à faire, c'était de tourner. Je vais revenir sur quelque chose que vous avez dit, Rebecca, sur ce vraiment pas être quelque chose. Quand vous avez trouvé cette idée, l'idée qui n'était pas vraiment représentée dans le cinéma, ou même que vous ne pouvez pas penser à d'autres films. Et Virginie, vous avez dit ça avant dans votre discussion, aussi, que l'idée de la figure de la mère-mère really not being the center of a film um, or, or really being a caricatured figure usually. I'm wondering if that, you talked much about that and if you have any ideas as to why that is the case and also whether you thought of this film as you know, a kind of intervention in a way because it's very striking when you watch a film. It's an extremely recognizable situation. It's a very common situation, but you do not see this uh, depicted or represented. I have answers as well. <laughs> I have, and I mean, I have hypothesis, hypothesis. I feel that there's always like, you know, you have a beautiful word in America to say like supporting actors, supporting actress. And this is like literally like a character that has been like, uh, you know, throughout the, the, the films and the, and the times, a supporting character, a secondary character. And as far as I was, as I was concerned by it, because I was experiencing it, I, I literally like, you know, I'm like you. I use cinema like to, this is a place for orphans. This is a place for um, lonely people. This is a place for unfuckable people, for lonely people that try to be not lonely together. <laughs> and I'm part of all those categories. <laughs> and so, and I was a stepmom as well. And the character did not exist. It existed sometimes, you know, like in a Bob Fosse film that we both really love, which is like all that jazz. There's a strong, you know, stepmom. And she's like, you have this amazing scene where she dances like with the kid. You remember this one? On the stairs. 
Amazing. Let's do it right now. <laughs> Please. And <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Never do that to you. And so you have sometimes like strong, um, interesting, well-written, loyally seen characters, but it's never, never the protagonist of the film. And so I just wanted to address this lack in a way. And also I have clues. I think that, and I don't, I don't blame anyone because it's been like a, a, a huge struggle either for me. It's not about being a man or a woman. Just answer the call. Who's that? It's about feeling that it's not worth enough telling. And it took me ages to understand that this very like banal, trivial situation that I was experiencing was maybe worth telling and that I felt entitled to shoot it. And maybe it's just because it was my like fifth feature after like 15 years being a filmmaker, I finally, and thanks to my producers, thanks to my, who's here, Frédéric Jouve and Marie Lecoq. Can you applause them? Because it's literally like, <laughs> thanks to them. Because I felt that it was time in the industry itself. Not only because it, it, like, it buys tickets. <laughs> it's because it was time for people to, be, to feel concerned by the subject. It was not cheeky. It was not just like a female, small topic in our domestic places. It was something that bring us together. You know what, what Arnie, Annie Ernaud, the Nobel Prize winner, said pretty recently. She says, like, what's intimate? It's what brings us together. And I felt like very connected to that. So there's like maybe two answers for the reason it doesn't exist in cinema. The first is economical. There's no female directors like in a huge scale. So this subject is still like considered as a feminine subject, though I feel it's a very mannish subject as well. What is parenting? What is transmitting? What happens when you do not have children and you want to let something in the, in the, in the world? How can you transmit things? You can be a teacher. I was a teacher. You can be a, a mother. You can have like invent the script of your motherhood. You can invent script of your fatherhood. And I really wanted to advocate for that. And the second reason is that I feel that we had like self-censor. We were uh, auto-censure. And I feel it's time for other narratives. And I'm very happy that we're experiencing this time all together. And I must admit, and I'm happy to be in New York and saying that, thank you. Because I feel that it comes from America as well. And I know that French audience sometimes are very scared about what happens here. They're scared about like all those new words. But I feel that I, I must admit, I never felt freer than now. And it's thanks to you. Virginie, if you wanna, do you want to add anything to that? No, no, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I, Rebecca, I had another casting question for you. Um, can you tell us about Dr. Wiseman, the gynecologist? <laughs> you know, I'm so happy. I mean, like, you could, you could tell, like, the day you shot. You, you, you started the scene. So Dr. Wiseman is Fred Wiseman, the amazing documentarist. Maybe you know him? And I've been lucky enough to, uh, um, I would say capture, but it's a very like jail world, but just like to, to invite him like in my film and I'm very blessed and very happy. He lives in Paris, we're friends. We met in Venice. Actually, we met in an elevator. Nothing happened. I mean like, <laughs> it was like pretty like, you know. And I had like, you know, I love like, I'm very, you know, girly and I had very sparkling shoes and he had like those amazing like, you know, sneakers like, 
and uh, he he saw me in the and I was showing a film like in a small like section and he was showing like the film in competition. We met and I'm of course I'm a fan and I was like hello Mr. Wiseman and he told me oh yes uh, nice shoes and I told him yeah you know you have nice shoes too I was like feeling bad and he told me yes this is director's shoes and I told him those are director's shoes as well. <laughs> we became friends. And he was living in Paris and I was like feeling very bad that he would do cameos in other people's films and not mine. And so that's, that's how he, he's been inviting the film. When they shot the scene the day they had like two scenes or three scenes together, Virginie had the best like en entrance. She said like, do I keep the socks? <laughs> I was like, okay, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's a concrete uh, question. Yes. Um. Euh, non, non, mais j'étais, uh, was very impressed, of course, and the situation was a little bit absurde. Absurde, on dit ça comme ça. Euh, ce qui était, je, ce que je, dont je me souviens aussi. So uh, what I remember is that on the day of shooting, uh, Mr. Wiseman was holding the speculum about 20 uh, meters from my body, let's say, um, and I didn't tear him. Tear him I didn't dare tell him to get any closer, even though it didn't make for a very convincing gynecological exam. Um, but on a more serious note, um, I found it really uh, uh, strong in that scene when I tell him, you know, life is long and short. And his response being, life is long. I was, I was glad that he was the one to settle that question. Um, uh, question for Virginie. I mean, just since this is your you know, first time with the New York audience here, um, I wanted to hear, maybe hear you talk a little bit more about your your process in a sense of how you approach a role. Um, you use the phrase subterranean language to refer to Rebecca's filmmaking. And I feel like that describes a lot of how you work too. There's like, um, your performances are always very layered. Um, you come from comedy, uh, you know, we, you talked about that earlier, and there's this, there's a real precision uh, and timing in, in how you work, but you've, you've used that in so many different kinds of films, like Rebecca's film, Alice's film from last night, and the Paul Verhoeven films, too. So I'm wondering if you can talk about how you approach a role. Is it different every time, depending on the script, depending on your relationship with the filmmaker? Like, what's your process? Do you like to rehearse? Do you research? Oui, il n'y aurait pas, y aurait pas un, une sorte de processus euh, unique qui fait qu'on arrive avec sa petite malade. Uh, there isn't a single same applicable method um, where I would be coming in with a toolbox used irrespective of the relationship to the director. It changes every time and I think that's a good thing. So one thing that I discussed earlier is the relationship to the films that a director brings to me before we start uh, the work. And so there's two films with Diane Keaton, which are... Shoot the Moon by Alan Parker and Looking for Mr. Goodbar from, what's his name? It never happened to him. It's, he's very being very polite because he knows, obviously, but he doesn't want to make me feel bad. Google it. Um, and so with these two and seeing Diane Keaton, I gathered from her be, uh, as an actress with incredible sort of facial mobility and, and who has all of these expressive possibilities, um, as well as this kind of politeness or, or modesty of laughter, um, laughter even in situations that are not maybe so laughable for her as a way to make the situation go. So these were things that I gathered from these, for example, which were an interesting entryway for my work. 
So then it's a mix of uh, personal perceptions and things that I gather um, from from my own um, experience, past and, and present, um, as well as a kind of implicit relation to uh, Rebecca and my understanding of her and the intimacy with her. I would say that um, um, in some ways I'm kind of um, drinking straight from her source in, in seeing in the film that even though our physical likeliness is not um, we, we don't we don't look so similar as as is uh, in certain frames and in certain scenes um, I see where and, and how I sort of worked um, towards something that she is herself um, also because it's a it's a story that is personal to her and then thirdly there's the there's the the desire to be to be to, to, to please her to be liked by her to be to, to lui plaire as a uh, ambivalent si si c'est ambivalent il faut, il faut faire un choix de traduction um, and 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 the desire to to because I admire her and I and I want to give and I and I like what she is looking for. There's also sort of a desire to put myself in that direction and then in that collaboration, sort of quite um, um, secret things occur where where we feel in the moment of shooting when we arrive at the same wavelength. And I sometimes would say that I might precede her in understanding something that she was looking for before she got there too. I mean, really, things become really symbiotic like that. How lucky am I? <laughs> Sometimes I remember like our sound engineer at the end of the film, like when we were mixing the film, he kept laughs, lot laughters in the film. And I could tell like, this is not Virginie's laughter, this is mine. And he thought it was hers. You know, the guy who cleans the direct, you know, uh, sp spokes like in the film. And he just like made a confusion between our laughs. I know. I, I hope I would look like her but it's not happening it's just that you know I think that films are like a parallel alternative live for directors and I strongly believe that and you know I just like I keep like asking like very different looking uh, women and actresses that I'm not mine like Lia Sedou and Virginie Fira I mean we are not very you see what I mean it's not the same it's just that there is definitely like a a desire to be them <laughs> for us. Um, looking for Mr. Goodbar is Richard Brooks. I just had to look it up. Sorry. But, uh, um, anyway, uh, I, we don't have a whole lot of time, but I feel like there's something I feel like you, I need you to talk about in relation to this film because you were saying when you wrote it, you I'm scared. I'm scared. You, <laughs> you identified with the character uh, yeah. as um, a woman without children. That changed. Yeah, that's true. Because when I was uh, shooting the film, I fell pregnant. I know this is a total, total like. <laughs> so I was shooting the film. Um, you can applause because it was a hard. <laughs> it was a hard thing to do. Also, we're a very few. It's a very small club of filmmakers that shot a film pregnant. You know, I Who cannot connect to a lot of people. And, and share the experience of you. Who else has done that? I don't know. <laughs> Who? Ah, Greta Gerwig. Yeah. Okay. I should. I should. Uh, do you know her? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's. Right. Little Women, I think. Yeah. Maybe it's Little Women. Yeah. Well, she's. I think she's. I feel like I've seen a still of her, like with the tummy. <laughs> Sometimes I'm fat on when when I shoot. <laughs> you know, like. We need to be like, you know, very careful with that because sometimes it's just, it's just like a gain of weight because when I stress, I become like, I know people sometimes get thinner when they stress, but they have like the double burden. It's like, I'm stressful 
and also I'm like I'm fat. But in the, but but how did this? Is it how interesting is this? I'm sorry. <laughs> I wanted like I wanted to keep like you know the level, but it's not gonna happen. I knew I didn't have like you know I had two Negronis with you. It was like a huge mistake. <laughs> it's a strong mistake. But I would say that uh, yes, it changed. Like also this is like. I'm sorry to share something personal because it's not I'm not fetishistic of the autobiographical aspect of a film. It's just that it's pretty interesting to shoot in this condition because I had like the, the good like distance to the character and the good distance to the moment. And also we were shooting in the pandemic during the pandemic in Paris. So the place, the city was absolutely empty and it was not easy to shoot a film. So I started to find like easiest the easiest path. One of the first like decisions was to make the film with the people I loved. Virginie, Rojdi were not only like the amazing actors they are, it's also people I like to have drinks with, to have dinner with, to hang out with. Maybe you have like a, a glimpse of what it is, like the perception of the connection we can have. So it was important to have like friends. And also it was important to have like the guy who plays the father in the film is my own father. And the grave they're praying in front of is the grave of my own mom. Because it was, it, it was just like cheaper <laughs> and easier. <laughs> it was simpler to have like the authorizations. I was like, that's fine, that's mine, let's say yes. And my father was super available and a very cheap, you know, actor. So this is the kind of film I made with this one. And this is like definitely, it's uh, it feels it feels good to feel okay to say that and not to hide, you know. I I have to I'm going to throw in. I'm going to ask the last question because I feel like I really want to hear both of you talk about this. Um, which is this the question of um, filming intimacy and nudity and sex scenes? I think this is a film in which the sexual life of the character is. It's really important to the film, um, and I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about the process of, of of working with actors in those scenes. I'm really struck as well by. I mean, I, there, there there are a couple of striking scenes, like the the scene um, when she goes out onto onto the balcony that is played in a, a sort of comic register, and then there's also the scene where um, she's looking at him in the shower. So there's like some interesting, I think, uh, twists. I would say on on how nudity is filmed and I would love to hear Virginie talk about this too because in another film we know you for is uh, Benedetta which is also a film in which I think the sexual life of the character is very important so if you can maybe both talk about this a little bit I'm going to start and then she's going to like explain on all the nudity she is like you know she made like a, a, a TV a TV show in France and the, and the guy was like are you a naturist a nudist people a nudist person <laughs> They were like just exhibitionists. Ex <laughs> so the interesting thing is that I had the same... Con I'm lucky enough to have a very simple conversation with actors as far as nudity uh, comes, you know, on the table. But I would be, like, more than happy to have, like, you know, intervention of people who would fix it as uh, when you make cascade. I don't know how... A stunt. But, yeah, but I'm, I'm... Like, till now, I've been, like, lucky enough to have, like... And also because those people are, like... You know, adults, it's not as if I was like, you know, dealing nudity with like teenagers and stuff. But to me, it was pretty interesting to have to 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 address the male nudity 
of uh, Roche Dizem. This was like a huge conversation like since day one with the film. I wanted him naked, not because I wanted to film like his dick, penis. How do you say? Like I was not frontal with it. I was not like, I'm not filming the dick. It's just like, I need to feel that you are, you know, naked. And he was like, yeah, never did it. And I said like, Virginie did it already, you know? <laughs> A lot of time, maybe there's a reason, you know, so maybe we should, also yet yeah, there's a strong, like, you know, uh, tradition, pictorial tradition, even like from the, the 19th century and even before, of women on the bath, women naked, just like, you know, being so graceful and being like, you know, washing their bodies and stuff. And there's a strong, like, tradition of men being comic with their nudity because it's supposed to be like, you know, oh, it's comic. But I'm like, I feel the opposite. I feel that men are very graceful when I see them, like, see them, not them, just one, like one, <laughs> one at a time. Let's say one at a time. <laughs> Naked, I feel it's beautiful. And I don't know, like, who told us it's not? Who told us, who told us it's, like, graceless? Uh, so I feel that we have, like, a certain responsibility as filmmakers to uh, look at it differently. And I think that Virginie and Rojdi understood it quite well and have been like very helped in the nudity scene with Virginie because she's so fucking funny. <laughs> and she and it was very also cold this night. And we were shooting like in real places where people would just like can look, see. Uh, really? Wait, wait. 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 Say what happened. This is this is how it happened. And I love the fact that in the film we just, you know exchange like the the archetypes and nudities of each other. Pour moi, qu'est-ce que je peux vous en dire de ça Il me semble que la seule chose réellement importante, c'est l'intérêt. The only really important thing when it comes to the sex scenes and the nude scenes is is the intent that the director has on them. I think a an illustrative copulation scene is is to be banned absolutely. It needs that this material serve some directorial intent, and I think very few directors know how to pull that off. With Verhoeven, we know that it's very much his. I'm going to say trademark his 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 uh, load anyway when I met him he said there's going to be a lot of sex scenes um, with with a lot of different people and with objects they buy him I did there is a lot of sex scene with girl with boys okay are you okay with okay. crucifix with crucifix <laughs> with crucifix oui oui <laughs> voilà et bon voilà je t'enchaîne déjà traduire cette affaire What's wonderful with Rachel's um, with Rachel as a character is this feeling that she's uh, viewed from every possible prism, and her her sex life and her libido is one of them. Without which, it would be incomplete. Um, beyond that, then is the fact that um, with Re Rebecca doesn't sanctify or, or, or make any um, sort of uh, have any sort of sacred artifact to these scenes, and we we started with them quite early on. They were an early stage in the process of filming. Um, and 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 for me it was it was interesting because I, I have a kind of modesty in life that I lose once we're shooting because of this idea that there's a kind of mask and, and it's not really you and, and so you can you can sort of go ahead and so these first scenes are the the jittery scene where you jiggle you you what you you jiggle you jiggle your 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 soft areas um, all of this was very was very new for me it was very fun. Um, And um, and and then it was with with Rojdi finding that intimacy um, and finding the gestures that would be specific to that encounter, um, what kind of what kind of um, encounter that would be, and and to do that 
in in full trust of both your scene partner and the the gaze of the director, which was completely the case in this case, is is really wonderful. All right, I'm afraid we have another screening starting, so we do have to wrap it up. And I want to thank you both for the film thank and for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.